0: Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and I'm... A little high right now.
1: High on life! Yeah. Let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 28 and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. No news is good news, especially if it includes ham. Mama Bear Molly Weasley is petty as hell when she gets duped by Rita Skeeter's sensationalist drivel. The fear of an insanely daunting maze is nothing compared to the fear of the Quidditch pitch being ruined. Once again, the Forbidden Forest is less forbidden and more hmm, just frowned upon. Harry and Crum go for a lovely evening walk to gossip together in the woods. Barty Crouch really needs to lay off the fire whiskey and gillyweed. Hagrid sees Royd rage red when Karkaroff hurls insults and loogies at Dumbledore. And Mad Eye Moody's reaction time seems a little too quick for a guy with a billiard table leg. During
0: episode 101 Hamogram, our Potter Pondering was What are your thoughts on how the film changed Harry's discovery of Mr. Crouch from how the book had it?
1: Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley calling in with this week's Potter Pondering, promising not to get too deep into my rat because you already know how I feel about this. It's trash. Okay, they are really adamant to downplay Barty Crouch Jr.'s ability to be a flawless criminal mastermind, i.e. Voldemort's most faithful servant, in these damn movies. And it pisses me off. Not only is he twitching around campus, he's leaving bodies around campus for people to just walk up on. And that's exactly what happens. Book Barty Crouch Jr. would never, you hear me, he would never... Transfigure into a bone and bury you, Daddy. You ain't gonna be found, okay? Gosh, they just like to make him
2: look so ignorant in the movie. It pisses me off. Jeez. Hello, it is the support badger here calling to respond to the Barty Crouch Jr. Nope, Mr. Crouch, Barty Crouch, regular Crouch. How I felt that they changed his death in the movie. I think it, like most things that I think about this movie, was really dumb. Changing his death to where Harry finds him instead of him explaining it at the end just takes so much away from Junior. And it's really frustrating that they think it's important to do stuff like that. It's really, really stupid. Yeah, so that's all I have to say about that. The things in this movie are annoying, and I don't understand why they make the changes, I guess. So they're playing like the audience is stupid, which I think I said in my last thought of pondering. But, yeah, I do not like it. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Maybe I'll like things more in the next movie.
3: Hey, guys. Jackson here. So I can pretty much sum up how I feel about the discovery of Mr. Crouch in the movie versus the book in one word. No-all! <laughs> but nah, seriously, I love the actor that played Mr. Crouch and I would have loved to have seen him dishevelled, ranting like a madman and, you know, the whole even the whole scene with um, Snape trying to stop Harry from getting in, Harry trying to guess the password would have been hilarious. <laughs> but no, we we don't even get the whole Harry having to explain that Hermione's not his girlfriend thing. What? Ugh. I can't even deal with the, all this unnecessary change stuff. No. No, it just, the books are so much better with all of these things.
0: Thank you so much for calling in your responses.
1: Yeah, and don't forget that you can also post answers on our Facebook page post, too. They may not make it in the episode anymore, but we do make it a point to read them and respond. Yep. Mm-hmm. Our trivia
0: question last week was, what does Harry ultimately correctly guess the password
1: to Dumbledore's office to be? After running through a variety of Wizarding World candy, a frustrated Harry jokingly says, Cockroach cluster, and is surprised when the gargoyle moves aside. Congratulations goes to... Jackson Miller! Woohoo!
0: He is at six weeks in a row. I think
1: he's got this. We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into Chapter 29, The Dream, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 29, The Dream. It's very early the next
0: morning, and as the trio all make their way up to the Allery to send Sirius a note... Hermione rubs her forehead and says that either Mr. Crouch attacked Victor or someone else attacked them both when Victor wasn't looking. Ron is certain that it was Crouch and that he wasn't there when Harry got back with Dumbledore because he'd run off. Harry disagrees since Crouch was really weak and Ron instead suggests that Crum attacked Crouch and then stunned himself. Hermione coldly asks if Mr. Crouch just evaporated. They were all very puffy-eyed because they'd stayed up late discussing Mr. Crouch, but still they talked about what could have happened. Hermione asks Harry to go through it again, and he repeats that Crouch wasn't making much sense, wanting to warn Dumbledore about something. He mentioned that Bertha Jorkins is dead, and kept saying things were his fault, also mentioning his son. Hermione testily points out that that was his fault, and Harry reiterates that he was out of his mind half the time thinking his wife and son were alive and talking as if he was giving Percy instructions. Ron asks Harry to remind him what he said about you-know-who, and Harry repeats that he said he's getting stronger. Attempting to reassure himself, Ron points out that Crouch was out of his mind, but Harry dashes this by informing them that he had been his sanest when he was talking about Voldemort, and kept saying that he had to see Dumbledore. He stares up into the rafters of the Owlery and bitterly says that they might have gotten there in time if Snape hadn't held him up. Ron wonders if Snape wanted to hold him up and could have somehow beaten them there, but Harry says it would only be possible if he could have turned himself into a bat or something. Hermione suggests they go see Professor Moody to see if he found Crouch, and as they talk about it being easy if he had the Marauder's Map with him, they're interrupted by voices approaching up the steps to the alley. The two voices are arguing about something being blackmail, and when the door bangs open, Harry, Ron, and Hermione find themselves face-to-face with Fred and George. They all wonder what they're doing there and ultimately agree they won't ask each other, though Ron is very curious who his brothers are blackmailing. They insist they were only joking and tell Ron to mind his own business, effectively distracting him from the topic by comparing him to Percy. The twins leave the Allery and Hermione wonders in a whisper if they know something about Crouch and everything. Harry doesn't think so, but Ron looks uncomfortable because of how obsessed they have been with making money lately. Since they don't mind breaking rules, he isn't completely sure they wouldn't break the law to get gold. Hermione thinks maybe Ron should tell Percy, but Ron thinks she's mad and changes the subject, suggesting they get breakfast. Hermione asks if it's too early to go see Professor Moody, and Harry says it is and they should wait until break. History of magic goes by slower than usual, and even Hermione isn't taking her usual notes they are all so tired. When the bell finally rings, they hurry towards the dark arts classroom and find Professor Moody looking as tired as they feel. They greet him and head into his empty classroom, where they discuss if Moody used the map to find Crouch. He did, but couldn't find Crouch anywhere on it. Ron wonders if he disapparated, and Hermione again reminds him that you can't disapparate on Hogwarts grounds. She comments that there are other ways he could have disappeared, and Moody tells her that her mind works in the right way and she should also consider being an Auror. Harry points out that he couldn't have been invisible because the map would still show him, and Ron suggests that someone could have pulled him onto a broom and flown off. Moody says they can't rule out kidnap and reckons he could be anywhere. He changes the subject, reminding Harry that he needs to focus on the third task, calling it right up his street. From what he's heard from Dumbledore, he mentions how Harry broke his way through a series of obstacles guarding the Sorcerer's Stone in his first year, and Ron jumps in to say that he and Hermione helped. Moody grins and tells them to help Harry practice for this one too, and he'd be very surprised if Harry doesn't win. He says constant vigilance, and takes a swig from his hip flask before looking out the window and advising Ron and Hermione to keep close to Potter. The very next morning, they get a response from Sirius, who lectures Harry about going off with Victor Crumb and tells him to write back swearing he won't stray out of bounds again. Harry is indignant at the letter, especially with all Sirius got up to while he was in school. Hermione points out that he's worried about Harry, who again tries to say that no one has tried to attack him all year or done anything to him. Hermione reminds him that someone put his name in the Goblet of Fire for a reason and that maybe the third task is when they're going to get him. Harry still isn't convinced, saying that whoever is after him could have attacked him when they attacked Crouch and Crumb, so he thinks that it's possible he isn't the target. Hermione desperately says that she doesn't understand it either, but odd things are going on and he has to be careful and write Sirius back that he will. Having to stay indoors only made the Hogwarts grounds look more inviting. Instead, though, Harry spends his free time over the next few days in either the library or empty classrooms, where he, Ron, and Hermione practice different charms and jinxes. Ron isn't thrilled about this, since he and Hermione have to serve as the practice targets, and he's very sore after being stunned five times in a row. He suggests kidnapping Mrs. Norris instead, or asking Dobby, since he'd do anything for Harry. And when Hermione tells him that he's achy because he keeps missing the cushions, he suggests that she take a turn. She hastily says that she thinks Harry's got it down now anyway, and suggests they start working with the impediment curse instead. The bell rings and they clean up the charms room before heading to their next classes. Hermione races off to Arithmancy, as Ron and Harry head for Divination, where the room is so swelteringly hot that Harry opens a window when Trelawney isn't looking. As she begins their class about planetary divination, Harry hears an insect humming somewhere behind the window curtain and starts to doze off. He has a dream about riding on the back of an eagle, flying to a gloomy, boarded-up house and through the window. There are two dark shapes stirring, a huge snake and a short, balding man, who is sobbing on the rug. A high, cold voice tells Wormtail that he's in luck, and his blunder has not ruined everything— he is dead. A relieved Wormtail gasps and pleads his apology to his lord. The cold voice then says Nagini is out of luck and he will not be feeding Wormtail to it after all, though there is still Harry Potter. The voice continues to speak, telling Wormtail that he perhaps needs another little reminder why he will not tolerate another blunder from him. Though Wormtail begs and pleads, the cold voice produces a wand and says, Crucio. Wormtail screams in pain and Harry wakes up screaming in pain himself. He's lying on the floor with Ron next to him, asking if he's alright. Professor Trelawney exclaims that he isn't, wondering if Potter had a premonition or an apparition and asks what he saw. Harry insists that it was nothing and says that he just has a bad headache and needs to go to the hospital wing. Trelawney tries to protest, but Harry just ignores her and heads out of the classroom, muttering to Ron that he will see him later. He has no intention of actually going to the hospital wing, but instead heads to Dumbledore's office, going over the dream again in his head and walking right past the stone gargoyle before realizing he had arrived. He turns back and realizes he doesn't know the password, tentatively trying Sherbert Lemon again. When the gargoyle doesn't move, he stares at it and tries other candies before begging the gargoyle to let him in. It still doesn't move, and Harry angrily kicks it and yells chocolate frog, sugar quill, cockroach cluster, and the gargoyle springs to life. Surprised that the password was cockroach cluster, he steps onto the spiral stone staircase, which moves upward, taking him to a polished oak door with a brass door knocker. He can hear voices inside and hesitates to listen, overhearing the Minister of Magic, Cornelius Fudge, insisting that he doesn't see the connection and saying that Bertha Jorkins is perfectly capable of getting herself lost and there's no evidence her disappearance is linked with Barty Crouch's. Moody's voice asks the minister what he thinks happened to Barty Crouch, and Fudge first suggests that he's either finally cracked and then says that he will reserve judgment for when he sees the place where he disappeared from, but comments on how it was near the Bobatons' carriage, asking Doubledore if he knows what that woman is. Dumbledore says that he considers her to be a very able headmistress and an excellent dancer, and Fudge angrily protests that Dumbledore is prejudiced in her favor because of Hagrid, saying they don't all turn out harmless, and then also saying if they can indeed call Hagrid harmless with his monster fixation. Dumbledore cuts him off to again reiterate that he doesn't suspect Madame Maxime any more than he suspects Hagrid, and states that it is Cornelius who is actually being prejudiced. Moody interrupts, asking them to wrap up the conversation, and Fudge impatiently says they should go down to the grounds. But Moody corrects him, saying that Potter wants a word with Dumbledore and is right outside the door.
1: The movie scene starts on Harry standing on the griffin spiral staircase that leads to Dumbledore's office. He steps away from the griffin as it turns back to its original position and can hear muffled arguing. The camera shifts to view inside Dumbledore's office where an agitated Cornelius Fudge is insisting to Dumbledore that the tournament will not be canceled. As they continue the heated discussion, the scene shifts back to show Harry approaching the door and leaning in to listen. It cuts back to Dumbledore and Fudge as Mad-Eye Moody interrupts them to let them know that the conversation is no longer private. He points his wand at the door to make it magically open right as Harry is about to knock.
0: So... That movie scene sort of
1: happened in the book. Kind of. Maybe-ish. A little bit. Not really. No. Barely, if anything. We will talk about that as we go through this. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: It's obviously mostly going to be a focus on the book chapter, because that was the bulk of it. What? And that starts out, it's the next morning, from Harry discovering Crouch. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's all they're talking about. And, of course, they get up super early to go straight to the alley to send a note to Sirius since Dumbledore told him not to do that the night before. Well, of course. That's the first thing he's going to do then. Right. <laughs> so they get up super early so they can go do that. But they were also up super late discussing Crouch. Mm-hmm. So they're exhausted. Yeah. Understandably. And at this point, I feel like... Harry's just getting super frustrated on top of being tired because they just keep asking him the same questions over and over again. Yeah. Like, tell us again, what was Crouch saying? (laughs) Harry's just like, I told you. He thought that his wife and son were still alive and kept giving orders to Percy, though he was still calling him Weatherby.
1: I mean, that's how you know he wasn't completely gone. Right? (laughs) It's when he calls him Weasley, you really need to watch out. Yeah. Unlike in the movie where they just found him dead. Right. So none this, of that happened
0: at all. In none movie.
1: of this happened at all. But Hermione insists
0: that one of two things had to have happened. Either Crouch really did attack Crumb or somebody else attacked both of them when Crumb wasn't looking.
1: I think the latter sounds more logical, but really it's Harry Potter. So either one could have right. happened. And funnily enough, since you're Ron, you're actually
0: not on the same page as Ron who is certain that it was Crouch who did it.
1: I can see from all angles that's all it is.
0: But Ron's just like, he totally attacked Crumb
1: and then did a runner. I just find it very unlikely that Crouch was able to get the upper hand on a Quidditch star. I think Ron, in this case, just wants to be like, ah, Victor's a bitch, ah, Victor's a bitch. There's that, but Boy also doesn't know how to read. Well, there's that. (laughs) if you know what we mean if you get what we're saying
0: (laughs) but harry also doesn't agree with ron because crouch was really weak Mm -hmm. and he's standing there like dude's not gonna get the one up on a quidditch star like i said exactly yeah he's totally in your head there oh it's crazy and so then ron tries to suggest that Crum actually attacked crouch and then stunned himself sure and Hermione's over here like
1: and then and this makes sense how oh right it doesn't it doesn't like at all
0: but so Hermione wants Harry to go through everything he heard again and he's like okay Crouch wasn't making much sense he wanted to warn Dumbledore about something and he mentioned that Bertha Jorkins is dead not just missing but dead and kept saying that things were his fault specifically mentioning his son at this moment yeah and that's exactly hermione's reaction she's just like well that was his fault <laughs> right?" <laughs> but she also just really doesn't want to like crouch no wonder she and ron argue all the times like they pick opposite sides
1: yeah i mean opposites attract but come on
0: Yeah, it just, Hermione really wants to dislike Crouch and Ron really wants to dislike Victor. So they're like, no, your guy did it. No, your guy did it. No, your guy did it. (laughs) Harry reiterates that he was out of his mind. And Ron asks Harry to remind him what he said about you know who. Harry's like, dude said he was getting stronger. And Ron, of course, despite having heard this multiple times already, just does not want this to be the case. And is like...
1: He was out of his mind. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But out of his mind though. But out of his mind, right?
0: <laughs> and Harry's just like,
1: "Yeah, but he was
0: sanest when he was talking about Voldemort and just drops the hard V, man. Like runs over here like, "You know who? Still scared mm-hmm. to say it." And Harry's just like, "Nope."
1: He Voldemort. Was cool with Voldemort. <laughs> Voldemort. Just drops the V. Just drops the <laughs> Pops
0: the V. <laughs> just drops the V. He then stares up into the rafters, just daydreaming for a moment. Remember when life was simple? When I was just bullied by my aunt uncle and cousin and I didn't have people trying to kill me? <laughs> That's at least what I think was going on in his head. Right. Ah, the good old days. The good old
1: days.
0: <laughs> what he's actually thinking about is how pissy is it snape for holding him up because if snape hadn't been such a dick about oh what's the problem potter oh you want to go see dumbledore do you I mean, he was just being a real dick about it real
1: different than usual
0: I mean, <laughs> just to switch it up for a change just really <laughs> ron wonders if snape was actually trying to hold him up on purpose so he could get to crouch first but harry's just like That would only be possible if he could turn himself into a bat or something, which is funny because we do later learn that he can fly. Well, yeah. So it's just kind of like a little nod to the fact that we're going to learn that, although I'm
1: not entirely sure that was on purpose. It may have been. Mm, Maybe. Also, too, it reminds me of back in the day before all of the books came out and there was the theory that Snape was a vampire. And that was one of the reasons people said that. So they're like, ooh, ooh, maybe Ron knows something. Maybe. And he's actually a vampire. And to the point where people asked J.K. Rowling that. And she was like, yeah, no. No. Y'all are fucking
0: nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Hermione wants them to go see Professor Moody so they can just ask if he found Crouch or not. And Harry's like, well, if he used the map, it would have been easy. You would think. Yeah. They're interrupted when they hear some voices coming closer arguing something 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 about if you put that in writing it's blackmail.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Maybe also don't say that out loud.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To be fair it's super early in the morning and who the fuck else is gonna be out? Oh! The meddlers. Ron, Hermione and Harry. Obviously. Come on. Who else would be there? But the door bangs open and the meddlesome three find themselves face to face with the twins.
1: Dun dun dun. Dun -dun -dun. Oh wait.
0: That's not really that dun-dun-dun-worthy. Done- done Except it's super early in the morning and they're all at the Owlery. Which actually ends up being a pretty funny exchange because at the exact same time, Ron and Fred are like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Harry and George say, sending a letter. Hermione and Fred say, what at this time?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty awesome exchange. Mm-hmm. You got to admit. And then Fred's like,
0: Fine we won't ask if you won't ask and Ron's just like no but
1: blackmail though (laughs) and he just immediately asks because well they are the meddlers you're not a meddler if you don't ask right he'd lose his crown if he
0: didn't ask Right? but you know as people who are up to no good do they tell Ron to mind his own business sure and then they attempt to distract him from the topic. Actually, not attempt to. They quite effectively distract him from the topic by comparing him to Percy. Telling him that if you don't stop that, you're going to end up becoming a prefect. And Ron's like, no, I'm not. Like, that's the
1: worst insult in the world. But coming from Fred and George, it kind of is. It kind of is. It's going to be very awkward in a book or two. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the twins leave the alley. And hermione wonders in a whisper if they know something about everything that's going on with mr crouch hmm harry doesn't think so figuring that they would report that if they knew something but ron's just like i don't know man they've been obsessed with money they don't mind breaking school rules who's to say they wouldn't break the law if it gets them some gold that is kind of fair yeah Hermione's just like, a school rule is a lot different from the law, though. Not in
1: Hermione's eyes, usually. Well, she's the one who said that. That's why it's surprising that she says it, because she was the one who's usually like, but we're breaking about 50 school rules. Right, and she thinks the law is more intense than that. Usually, yes. But you're right.
0: It's kind of a strange perspective for Hermione to take. It is, a little bit. But anyway. But she has to say that so that she can also say, maybe you should tell Percy. And Ron's just like, fuck that. He'd probably <laughs> do a crouch and turn him in. <laughs> I mean, where's the lie, though? And Ron thinks that she's absolutely mad and suggests that they should just all head to breakfast. When in doubt, eat. That is the Ron motto, yes. Mm-hmm. Facts. Hermione wonders if it's too early to go see Professor Moody and Harry's just like, Yeah, we do not want to startle that man out of bed. No, dude. That's how you end up jinxed.
1: Yeah, that is a man you do not surprise at any moment.
0: Did you not hear the story? Mm Mm-hmm. I sure did. Mm Mm-hmm. Wish I hadn't, but I did. So they go on with their day. They get their breakfast. They had a class. They're in History of Magic, and a class that normally moves very slow is moving glacially slower at this point.
1: I like that descriptor. Thank you. Glacially. It really gets that point across. (laughs) Yeah, I've been in that moment before. Mm -hmm. I've been in that class. What
0: time is it? 30 seconds from the last time I checked? (laughs) Why is the clock going backwards? Yep. Actually, they're so tired from staying up late that Hermione's even not taking notes like she normally would. Well,
1: that's messed up.
0: So you know that that's going to make the class seem even slower. Because Hermione likes taking notes. And when you're doing something you like, time tends to go by faster. Yeah. So she's sitting there in this class doing nothing. Of course it's crawling. Yep. And then Harry and Ron are probably worrying even more. Because they won't have Hermione's notes to cheat off of. What are you going to do?
1: Nothing. It's history and magic, <laughs> man.
0: <laughs> While away the hours. Yep. The bell finally rings and they rush to the dark arts classroom so that they can pull moody aside and get the what's up mhm psst,
1: psst, moody we got some shit what's going on got to talk to you
0: they find him looking as tired as they feel cuz someone else was probably up pretty late looking mm. for mr crouch
1: mhm now i bet they're really glad they
0: didn't wake him up yep <laughs> harry asked him if he used the marauder's map to look for crouch and Moody's just like, yep, pulled a leaf right out of your book, summoned it from my office. Which, funnily enough, that he specifically said that. He actually had it on him the whole time, and we learned that later, and Moody's a liar.
1: Mm-hmm. And why lie about something like that? Right. Hmm.
0: I was inspecting this map that I was obsessed with, and, I mean, no, I can see why he'd lie. Yeah. Dude's a liar.
1: He's a liar.
0: Moody did use the map, but he couldn't find Crouch anywhere on it. And Ron wonders if he disapparated, and Hermione does her usual... Gosh, Ron, what are you going to read Hogwarts of history? Because I keep telling you, I keep telling you, and I keep telling you, nobody can apparate or disapparate
1: on Hogwarts grounds. And again, Ron just like, why would we read it if we have you here? Just saying. Actually, most of that conversation that we just
0: had about this was a bit exaggerated. And really, Hermione just said, you can't disappear on Hogwarts grounds, but there are other ways he could have disappeared.
1: Okay, but that wasn't nearly as fun as the conversation we just had. No, I don't think so either. So there's
0: that. But it's what was there. Moody tells her that her mind works in the right way, and she should also consider being an Auror. And Hermione flushes. And Ron gets jealous, and it's just like, I want to be an Auror maybe somebody pulled him onto a broom and flew off with him poor ron which moody does say you can't rule out kidnap but he just won't throw ron that at a boy no he just won't do it poor ron he tried to he did try <laughs> and that was actually fairly smart for ron because mm-hmm. the suggestion he made before this
1: one was that Crum attacked crouch then stunned himself So this thought was definitely much better than that one. It's actually plausible. Unlikely. But plausible. But not impossible, yes,
0: for sure. Harry points out that he definitely couldn't have been invisible because the map still shows invisible people. But anyway, Moody then changes the subject. And he's just like, Harry, third task is coming up. You need to focus. You could win this. (laughs) And that we kinda, could win this. We could win this. That's how he said it in the movie. <laughs> it was a we. He's just up in his business. He does tell him that this task is going to be right up Harry Street based on what he's heard from Dumbledore like breaking through a whole bunch of obstacles guarding the Sorcerer's Stone when he's 11 years old. And Ron, probably still looking for his boy, goes, We helped. Me and Hermione. We helped. We were there. We did stuff too. We helped. I played chess. Uh, you may have heard about me. I actually beat McGonagall's chess set. And Moody's just like, McGonagall sucks at chess. That's not that impressive. But-
1: <laughs> Poor Ron. He's trying so hard.
0: But actually, Moody just grins and tells them to help Harry practice for this one too. And he'd be very surprised if Harry doesn't win. Unless you're movie moody, in which case you're sitting there going, and I'd be very surprised if I don't win. I mean, we don't win. I mean, (laughs) Harry doesn't win.
1: Yeah, no bias at all. But he says, constant vigilance.
0: Can you do that for me? You do that so well.
1: (laughs) I miss it from the movie. I really do. So yes, I will. Constant vigilance!
0: Oh, it's so excellent. (laughs) And then he takes a swig from his fun flask before looking out the window and telling Ron and Hermione that they need to stick close to Potter.
1: I think they already knew that, but thanks for the reminder. Whatevs. (laughs) Ron's a little slow on the uptake. True. Very true. Still never got his attaboy. He's going to be waiting a long time if he's waiting for an attaboy, though. Yeah. Poor Ron.
0: Sirius writes back the very next morning, and the letter is just basically a lecture about how Harry's an idiot for going off with Victor Crumb and that he needs to write back and swear that he's not gonna do anything stupid. I
1: mean, why would he start now?
0: Right? <laughs> and Harry's just completely like, what are you with,
1: with all of the shit that you got up to in school, you're gonna get on me? I'm trying to do the right thing, man. I mean, to be fair. There was a lot of factors that Harry deals with that Sirius wasn't dealing with at that time. There is that. You know, Sirius did not have the world's most evil wizard out to kill him when- That we know was, of. Well, true. That we know of when he was in school. So I'm not trying to be like a boomer and be like, the world was a different place. But the world was a different the place, The world Harry. was a different place, Harry it just was you can't
0: compare the two no harumph and hermione is there just like he's just worried about you harry for all of the reasons that katie just expounded upon yes (laughs) (laughs) and harry's again just like what do you mean there's nothing to worry about nobody's attacked me all year nobody's even tried to attack me And there were people that just attacked Crouch and Crumb. I was right there.
1: Why didn't they attack me then? Maybe I'm not the target. Yeah, because that's ever been the case, Harry. Right? Except that, you know, it's never been the case, Harry. No, it's never been. Mm -mm.
0: Especially not with the way his ass medals. Right? But anyway, Hermione is like... I don't get it either, but weird things keep happening. You're somehow at the center of it, and you have to be careful and write back to Sirius that you will. Do it now. Here's a quill. Here's paper. Do it now. I will write it and you can cite. Is that what you need? Do it.
1: (laughs) No excuses. Constant vigilance. Exactly. So
0: Harry makes his promise, and the fact that he says he'll stay indoors and stay safe, And just focus on the third task makes him want to go outside so bad.
1: Well, yeah. Because once you can't do something. It's the summer term. It's so pretty outside. mm -hmm, And the grounds are
0: just like hairy.
1: (laughs) But yeah, he just really
0: wants to go outside. And no, he's just in the library or in empty classrooms. Using Ron mostly, but sometimes Hermione as target practice. So he can practice different jinxes. Sure, like you do. So that he can use him in the third desk. Mm -hmm. Trying to get him somewhat caught up on the magic spells that Cedric has over him. Yeah. With the extra years of studies.
1: If only there was a club at Hogwarts. Oh, one book too soon. Sorry. We're getting there. (laughs) Someday. Ron is especially not
0: thrilled to be what Harry stuns over and over and over again. And as Hermione points out, he keeps missing the cushions. And Ron's just like, "Well, you try aiming when you're stunned." <laughs> he was like, "Actually, that's a good idea. Why don't you take a turn?" And Hermione's just like, "No, nah, it's cool. I think he's got it down now." <laughs> "I don't see that as necessary." Right. Think we're good?
1: Let's move on.
0: Ron actually also suggests kidnapping Mrs. Norris to use her for a while. <laughs> or just Asking Dobby to do it for him because he'd do anything for Harry Potter.
1: I don't like that. And I'm sure Hermione doesn't either, Oh, I don't
0: think that went over well at all. No. Actually, I think that was the moment where she told him that he keeps missing the cushions.
1: Pretty sure she was about ready to aim a cushion right at him (laughs) at that point. But yeah, she's just like, nope, let's move on.
0: And then the bell rings and they have to get to their next classes. Oh, darn. (laughs) Right? Hermione heads to Arithmancy, and Harry and Ron go to Divination, and they're not looking forward to this because it's Divination, and they're like, it's going to be so hot in there. And keep in mind, too, that they're probably really tired with all of this, every bit of free moment that Harry's had. He's been practicing spells. Yeah. And doing all of their normal schoolwork. He's having, like, metal withdrawal. Right. (laughs) But yes, the room is indeed super hot. Stuffy. It's stuffy. Oh. And when Professor Trelawney's not paying attention, Harry goes and opens the window, gets a nice little breeze coming through. That would be me, definitely. Oh yeah. And this is actually one of the most subtle little touches of a clue mm-hmm. that you literally don't think a thing of mm-hmm. at all when you're. It's it's half of a sentence. Yeah. Because. Professor Trelawney starts her class, and Harry's just, like, in this hot room, heavily perfumed, super tired, got a nice cool breeze coming through the window at him, and he hears an insect buzzing. Wouldn't think anything of that. As he falls asleep. Sure. It's just a description. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk more about that later. We are. We're going to get there. But, yeah, Harry falls asleep, and he has a dream. Yes. But
1: it is not the dream from the movie. No. Because the dream in the movie does not happen in the book. Ever. It's... And she's just...
0: <sighs> the first dream in the book that Harry has... Aside from that, is sort of similar to it. This dream actually gives them a little bit more back information. And it's the start of showing the connection that he has with Voldemort's mind. Mm-hmm. Because it was not actually a normal dream. It really happened. So in this dream that was not in the movie, even though the movie showed the same dream basically four times. Yeah, except for this one. They didn't bother (laughs) showing the actual dream as chapter titled in the book. Why would we do that? I digress. In the dream, he's riding on the back of an eagle. Like you do. Comes up to a gloomy, boarded up house. And the eagle just flies right through the window. And now he's in this old shitty house. And he can see two figures writhing on the floor. And one of them is a giant ass nope rope. (laughs) And the other is Wormtail. Hmm. And then that cold voice that he did hear in the first dream
1: Mm -hmm.
0: tells Wormtail that he's in luck and his blunder didn't fuck everything up. The problem is dead. Wormtail's relieved, but also still in pain. So he's just gasping and apologizing to his lord. At Mm -hmm. this point, we know who the cold voice is. It's Voldemort. What?
1: Wait a minute. Spoilers. What? This whole time?
0: But the voice of Voldemort also says that Nagini is out of luck. Because he will not be feeding Wormtail to her. Though there is still Harry Potter.
1: Well, you know, Harry Potter's younger too, so I'm imagining he'd be much more tender than nasty-ass Wormtail. Probably. So it's probably the better meal anyhow. I feel like Rat would be very gamey. Mm Mm-hmm, very much so. Not that I know.
0: I'm just saying. The voice continues to speak, telling Wormtail that he perhaps needs another little reminder why he will not tolerate another blunder from
1: him. I mean, I, th- I think he's got it. I don't, I don't, I don't think he needs another reminder. But Voldemort doesn't agree. Rarely does. <laughs> and he just produces his wand and says,
0: Crucio. Ah, shit. And Wormtail again screams in pain. Like you do. And writhes around on the floor some more. Like he does. And Harry wakes up screaming in pain himself, also on the floor. Well, he fell out of bed. So yeah, that would hurt. Well, he fell out of desk. Ah, because he is in class.
1: Well, I mean, that would hurt right there, falling. Yeah. So there is some pain
0: involved. Yeah. Ron's right next to him and he's like, are you okay, man? And Professor Trelawney's like, he's not all right. Potter, was that a premonition? An apparition? What did you see? And Harry's just like, nothing. (laughs) I have a headache. I need to go to their nurse. Mm -hmm. and Trelawney's like no 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 if you leave the clairvoyant vibes won't help you see anymore that's kind of the idea but Harry insists that the only thing he wants to see is the cure to a headache
1: I can understand
0: that I love sassy Harry (laughs) Trelawney continues to protest and Harry just ignores her and literally just walks right out of the classroom Mm -hmm. and I kind of love it it's pretty badass He also lied about where he was going because it's not to the hospital wing. (gasps) He had promised Sirius that if he ever had a dream like that again, he'd tell Dumbledore. So he is going right to Dumbledore's office.
1: Well, I mean, at least he's not going to like meddle or do something.
0: Wait for it. Well,
1: yes. I know it's coming, but just (laughs) let us live in denial for a moment longer. (laughs) He keeps
0: thinking about the dream just to kind of keep it fresh in his head and is so distracted he actually walks right past Dumbledore's office then he has to stop and turn back and stand in front of the gargoyle and he's like shit <laughs> I tried sherbet lemon again and it didn't work that must not be the password anymore although he does actually try it again right here just in case he said it weird layer
1: why not maybe he changed it back we don't know the gargoyle still doesn't move so <laughs> I just got the image of Harry going sherbet lemon one <laughs> Sherbet Lemon 2. <laughs> Puck, Sherbet Lemon 75. After a while, he thinks maybe it wasn't Sherbet Lemon after all. <laughs>
0: Naturally, the gargoyle doesn't move. No. And Harry's just like, what other candies can I list off? And the gargoyle still isn't moving. So he's just like, please let me in. I need to see Dumbledore because that might be the password.
1: Maybe. <laughs> Please let me in. I really need to see Dumbledore one. <laughs> I'm the best headmaster ever. Dumbledore is super duper awesomely awesome. Who's your daddy? One. <laughs> one. One.
0: Anyway, Gargoyle's still not moving. And Harry actually kicks it. Like you do, sure. <laughs> as he yells chocolate frog, sugar quill, cockroach cluster. And then the Gargoyle springs to light.
1: You know, it's always the last one you try, isn't it?
0: Well, why would you keep trying them after you got it working?
1: For fun. So apparently that was the password. Which was also a trivia question. Yep.
0: And Harry steps onto the spiral stone staircase, which moves upward. Magic escalator. Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. And I love it because the movie actually did that pretty well.
1: Yeah, I really actually like the way the movie did that.
0: In the book, it takes him to a polished oak door with a brass door knocker, And as Harry approaches it, he's just like, What's this I hear? Something for me to meddle in? <laughs> and what he's actually hearing is the Minister of Magic's voice arguing with Dumbledore, saying something about how he doesn't see the connection, Bertha Jorkins is perfectly capable of getting herself lost, and there's also no evidence that her disappearance is linked with Barty Crouch's if you're blind sure or if you're not dumbledore apparently obviously harry then hears moody's voice chime in with a well what do you think happened to barty crouch minister Mm -hmm. and Fudge is just like well he probably finally cracked just wandered off somewhere crazy (laughs) understandable with all the shit he's gone through Guy's seen some shit. hmm That's very true. But then Fudge also says that I'm going to reserve judgment for when I see the place where he disappeared from. But you said it was near Boboton's carriage, right? I mean, do you know what that woman is? But do you, though?
1: I f- because
0: she denies what she is.
1: Obviously, she's just big-boned. And
0: unless he has any actual evidence... That is true. Dumbledore's like... Yeah, she's a very able headmistress and an excellent dancer. Which you wouldn't know from the movie because they didn't show him dancing with her in the movie.
1: No, but he could have just been going by what he saw. It's entirely possible. She did dance. Fudge is just like,
0: Dumbledore don't you think maybe you're prejudiced in favor of her because of hagrid i mean they don't all turn out harmless not that hagrid is necessarily harmless he's got that crazy fixation on monsters wow guy and dumbledore's just like again i don't suspect madame maxime any more than i suspect hagrid and i think you're the one that's actually being prejudiced bra boom suck it corny <laughs> At this point, Moody's just like, can we wrap this up? And Fudge is like, yes, we should get outside and search the grounds. And Moody's just like, no, actually, Potter wants a word with Dumbledore. He's right outside the door.
1: This right here, just this one part, not everything else he said before, is basically what happens in the movie, though it's barely the same. Barely. It's a stretch, like usual. Nothing else that happened in this chapter is included in the movie, which just streamlines Harry's arrival at Dumbledore's office to right after he finds Mr. Crouch dead.
0: Which he didn't in the book. Mr. Crouch was actually alive. Exactly. And currently presumed missing.
1: Yes. And we didn't even get the fun cockroach cluster thing with him trying to guess the password. Which would have been fun. Mm Mm-hmm. I tell you what, for one of the movies that just thought it was super slapsticky, it left out so much actual slapstick. Right. Right. That was in the book. This would have been great. Why did you not do this? Hello? (laughs) Newall.
0: Newall.
1: We're then taken inside of Dumbledore's office where an agitated Cornelius Fudge is insisting to Dumbledore that the tournament will not be canceled.
0: A little. Just a little agitated.
1: He's just, I mean, he's just a bit peeved. Oh, I miss peeves. Peeves. Hmm. Weh. Moving on. As mom and dad continue the heated discussion, we once again see Harry approaching the door and leaning in to listen. So this does actually correspond. There is a point in the
0: movie where Harry is overhearing an argument between like the same people. We're all present in this scene. Mm -hmm. It was set up so similarly. It just cut out so much. It really did. Like we were so close. So close. So close. (sighs) Although honestly... I don't like that they streamlined this much. I
1: hate that so much was cut out, but it segued nicely. To be fair, yeah. Mad-Eye Moody then tells Mom and Dad to quit fighting because they're upsetting the baby. By this, I mean, of course, the baby is Harry. Right. You know. I was following. Okay, good. Just making sure you're coming with me. Let's go. He points his wand at the door to make it magically open right as Harry is about to stop meddling. I swear, he was just about to stop. Uh huh. He was gonna stop in just he a did. minute. He did. He was considering knocking. He did. He was gonna stop and he was gonna be legit. Yeah, like announce his presence. That's what a knock does. Mm hmm. But that's where it ends. Yeah, that's <laughs> where it starts. That's where it
0: ends. It wasn't very long and it really lined up pretty well.
1: It did. If only it wasn't only half a minute long. Right. That was a very short movie section for you, it was very sad. Because there was so much they could have done with it.
0: So much. And they streamlined out so much, too, because you go straight from them finding Crouch being dead to Harry up in his office, which meant that they didn't already know Crouch was dead. The way that it cut, it seemed that way. Yeah. So their argument wasn't about the same thing, because in the movie, the focus was about Crouch missing. Mm hmm. And then. In the book, the focus was on Crouch missing. In the movie, the focus was on not canceling the tournament. Yeah. But they had the four people there that were all supposed to be there. And it was Harry showing up at the office, right, as they were talking about winding down a conversation. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. You had so much possibility there. Yeah. It's sad to see it go the way it did.
0: (laughs) But the book chapter does stop
1: here as well, too. Mm -hmm. So it sort of lined up it lined up at the end we made it work we did it's not that easy to do sometimes sometimes it is not
0: (laughs) but as the movie scene was so short and involved only actors that we had seen before Mm -hmm. but i do just want to make a quick comment about robert hardy who played cornelius fudge because he just is so fudgy he's so frustratingly fudgy yeah he's great he just is so blustery and just angry and then as he goes into the next part of this scene he just like flips that switch and it's just exactly what I imagined so I just mm-hmm. wanted to do that little shout out there
1: yeah nice job Robert Hardy well done sir
0: but now we can move on to our Potter pondering Mm-hmm. considering that this movie likes to show dreams what do you think about them basically leaving this entire chapter called the dream out of the film <laughs> find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts or Call us at 216-526-6792
1: and leave your response as a voicemail. We really look forward to reading and hearing them. And this will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Katie Zwiedek. She writes, I'm Slytherin. I can't remember what my wand is, but my Patronus is a lynx. I needed AR points in school, and one Harry Potter book had enough points and then some. But I didn't want to read the books, so I had a friend who read them sit next to me while I took the quiz. But she was horrible. So I decided I'd just read them myself. And then, bam, here I am. Thank you so much
0: for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Katie. I love the fact that needing some AR
1: points led to a lifelong obsession. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at JustKeepRolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. You can also just message it to us over social media.
0: This week's trivia question is, where did Augustus Rookwood work within the ministry? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word
1: hashtag Death Eater, will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast
0: and Twitter and Instagram at justkeeprolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question.
1: Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to
0: help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 30, the pensive and the corresponding film scenes.
1: Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep keep rolling. rolling.